0: Banks, while open to new and open banking platforms and services that fall under the banking as a service umbrella, have fears about what open APIs will mean for their business models long term. They don't have much choice beyond embracing the changes that are on the way. The U.S. and Australia are finally expected this year to catch up to the U.K., where faster or real time payments have been in effect for a decade. But the fraud concerns are real. Today, I'm joined by John O'Neill, Jr., a payments and cybersecurity and fraud expert who serves as director of financial crime and analytics at Dark Tower, formerly Queen Associates, to talk about the impact big data analytics and behavioral biometrics, along with other technologies, are having on the fraud fight in faster real-time payments. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, John, thanks for joining me this morning. Let's kick off our discussion with some background about why 2018 is going to be a year for faster or real-time payments in the U.S. in particular. What's changed?
1: Well, I think the consumers themselves are looking for faster ways to get uh, money transferred from one place to another. I think you've started to see some of the changes that are occurring with money changing from different companies and different applications that are out there, such as Venmo and others that are trying to do things in a much quicker fashion than before. And I think it's prompted the U.S. government as well as financial institutions to start looking at a way to make sure that these payments can get processed in a much faster time payment.
0: John, what impact would you say the PSD2 uh, banking as a service initiative in the United Kingdom is having on the U.S. and even Australia, if any, where some of these real-time payments are concerned?
1: Well, I think from the perspective of PSD2, what you're seeing is in the United States, there's not really that much of an impact from what I've been able to see, simply because of the fact that a lot of services already exist here in the United States that offer these types of of third-party services that will take all of your information and correlate it in one nice front end for you. Organizations like Yodali and Mint do something similar as well as Intuit and others. I think the PSD2 really is working on the European side and really looking more uh, from the perspective of being able to set down rules and regulations uh, more defined than they were before. Uh, in PSD uh, and sort of show exactly what the future should be in unifying the, the markets within the European Union.
0: What about in Australia? Do you see the market there being more similar to the US or more similar to Europe?
1: I see it being more similar to Europe. I mean, there's some signs with some of the things that are going on with some of the companies. Obviously, they're starting to look at faster payments. I think that it's more towards the European side but I also think that they're trying to get to a model more like the US
0: let's talk a little bit about big data analytics much is being said of the use of big data to predict fraud trends in faster or near real-time payments what's your take there John
1: Well I definitely think it's an emerging technology from the perspective of big data there is a lot of information out there talking about taking information combining it into a single source of data that, all the different business lines within a financial institution can look at, decide whether or not it has an impact on their business and how they want to use the data that they currently have. From the perspective of you know, machine learning or artificial intelligence or AI is what it's being called, I think that the important thing for businesses to remember, uh, especially banks, is when it comes to machine learning, it actually has to learn. So if I can equate that to a child, a child just given a bike, and then they're able to ride it. They first have to learn how to ride it. So in this big data where we're trying to capture a lot of information and actually put it in so that you can find these trends, um, you actually have to teach it how to actually find fraud. And obviously there's many different types of fraud that can be committed. Everything from check fraud to online payment fraud to wire transactions. Any of these implementations really needs to understand what those things are that make up fraud and how fraud is committed in these specific environments. I think it also is a good thing that that people work closely with the developers from the financial institutions to be able to explain what those are so that they can implement them properly I think the other thing that big data actually gives which is something which tends to be time consuming is the link analysis piece being able to take a look at something that's fraud and trying to find those things that intersect to be able to see all the different other things that are going on. And what I mean by that is, if you have a specific case where there is fraud, what are the things that could be identified and be more proactive at stopping that fraud from happening? So is there an IP address, is there a telephone number? What are the things that you would be able to actually put into place and help the machine to learn even more. So I see that that's a big case for uh, big data and machine learning and artificial intelligence.
0: Okay, John, you made some really interesting points there, and I know we could probably have a whole separate podcast to discuss machine learning and big data and how the two can can work in tandem. But let's just go back to to touch on a little bit of what you were talking about with machine learning, because I think you make a great point about the fact that these machines actually have to learn, right? Um, How likely is it that the majority of of financial institutions in the U.S. are going to be able to implement machine learning in an effective way? Could they rely on third parties or is this going to have to happen more internally, especially where it comes to check fraud online, payment fraud, wire, ACH, some of the examples that you mentioned?
1: Well, I think it's got to be a combination. And what I mean by that is, is that there are third parties that are out there that have a lot of experience in doing these types of things. So from the perspective of the services that are being offered out there, there are a lot of companies who are currently involved with using big data and being able to see those linkages and understand them um, and also work in a faster payments in near real time. I always say that the the thing that you wanna get is the people who are the developers and the people who are the business line and have the two of them sit down and really discuss what it means to do fraud or what it means to do money laundering because of the fact that there are evolving schemes that are out there, they have to be able to talk, meaning the business line has to be able to talk to the developers who are actually building it so that they can better understand how to build the system that they're looking to create. Um, And that's, that's part of it, is just sitting down and having those conversations so that both sides understand exactly what it is that they need to develop when they have these shells of uh, algorithms and other things that are out there that are able to provide this link analysis, what is it that really constitutes fraud? How is it being perpetrated in those specific areas? How is check fraud you know, being accomplished by the bad guys?
0: So then would you say that big data analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, are these then the technologies that will primarily be used to curb or thwart fraud worries in the U.S. as well as Australia? Or could there be other technologies that come into the fold here as well?
1: Well, I mean, I think that there are products that are already going out in those countries with safer payments. There's a variety of different things that are out there that are, equated to machine learning type of uh, system. I think that when it comes down to it, when you're looking at these, I think that there is going to be an evolution of the big data and machine learning. I think right now, truthfully, from what I've seen, it's in its infancy. And I think it's going to get better over time. But I caution that if the business units don't work with the actual Companies that are creating these technologies, I think what you're going to see is that it's not going to be effective for the actual banks themselves. And diving into that a little bit deeper, I think specifically is is that you have to look at the resources that a financial institution is able to use when trying to identify fraud. So they have an operations group, and that operations group calls out to the customers to identify the fraud in that case you have to make sure that the number of leads that you're providing to the operations team is something that's manageable so you're always looking for what the return on investment is from a banking perspective how many leads do i have to call to find those frauds and what is the actual saving that i'm getting as a bank for those frauds that are identified so one of the things that it has to have is the return on investment and low false positives. And I think that's going to be the determining factor as to whether or not this machine learning actually moves forward compared to what it is today when people in the organizations and the strategies departments in fraud create these actual strategies and what their return on investment is.
0: What about behavioral biometrics, John? What role do you see behavioral biometrics playing in the fraud fight?
1: Well, I know that a lot of banks are doing different things right now with behavioral biometrics. Um, I think it's something that is a learning process. So we have to understand what a person does when they access an online banking system or where do they go for their banking and understand those behaviors that are out there. I think, again, that it's evolving technology. I think it has merit, but at the same time, it has to be looked at completely by both the financial institution, the people that actually work there, and the developers and the fintech companies that are actually going out and trying to solve for these problems.
0: I asked this question about machine learning and artificial intelligence, but I'm going to ask it in a a broader way. And this just relates to the technology overall that's being invested in, whether it be behavioral biometrics, whether it be AI, machine learning, even big data analytics. John, how long do you think it's going to take the majority? And when I say majority, I'm talking about financial institutions of all sizes in the U.S., to really get to a point where they can invest in these technologies and use them effectively and adequately to help curb fraud, especially in a faster payments environment?
1: Well, I think the question is, is a little bit difficult to answer from this perspective. It, it really depends on the return on investments that banks are seeing. I think a lot of banks are interested in the technology and they're, you know, what I would call test driving it to determine whether or not it's something that's gonna be valuable for them. It's going to be a modification to the skill sets that many financial institutions have and getting to understand from a fraud perspective how we're going to be working fraud in the future. You know, in today's environment, you're looking at, you know, operations groups that may be calling people to determine fraud or sending out a text message about fraud um, and you may have a couple different people that are actually making these phone calls. But in the end, all of those you know, leads that were delivered to them are actually just tied to one specific group or organization that's actually perpetrating the fraud. So it's going to require a little bit different thought process from the perspective of here's the information now in a machine learning environment we're not only showing you that this fraud is occurring, but we're showing you on the back end how this is all tied together and it's related to an IP address, a telephone number, whatever those things may be, a device fingerprint. Um, And showing how they're all tied together as opposed to trying to identify it later on, it's gonna be something that's more relevant at the time that these phone calls are being made.
0: So in the meantime, John, um, and I guess that would be something that we could even see happening right now. What do you see financial institutions in the. US in particular doing to kind of fill the gaps um, where fraud detection and, and fraud mitigation are concerned, especially as it relates to some of these faster real-time payments?
1: Well, I mean I think a lot of banks and financial institutions you know are trying to figure that out you know as we speak. I mean I think that some of them are trying to understand the vectors that these threats will, well, you know will show themselves um, when you look at faster payments and if you think about it faster payments was designed that as soon as the payment was actually put in and the send button was pushed by the client or the customer or the fraudster whichever it may be um, those transactions occur in near real time I mean at most those transactions could take up to two hours but in most cases it's going to be in a real-time environment. Once the money is gone, it's very difficult to pull it back. It's not like you have a, you know, an ACH where you had the opportunity to pull it back within a couple of days and put in a hold harmless agreement with another financial institution to keep that money. Um, with the faster payments, it's going to move and with the technology as it stands today, that money can move in several different banks you know, over the course of just a couple of minutes. So that's what's going to be one of the things that financial institutions are going to need to take into consideration is how are they able to do it? And, you know, there's probably a lot of the banks out there today that are looking for consultants to have an idea of what's going on and working with them to make sure that they can address those issues and also working with their internal teams to take care of that.
0: So if they're looking at those issues now, do you do you think that we're going to see a big surge then in, in some fraud here in the short term? I mean, how long is it going to take them to review some of these different options, I guess, is, is the better way to ask it?
1: You know, this is my opinion and only my opinion. I think that when it comes down to it, I think that there isn't a lot of information yet on these faster payments and what specifically Bad guys will do to actually get a monetary gain for themselves out of this. So, I think right now a lot of financial institutions are trying to think like fraudsters to try to understand how they will be able to do this money movement out there. You know, everybody talks about the deep and the dark web. You know, there's a lot of things that are out there in regards to people who they consider to be what are called drops or in the financial terms are called mules. People who are willing to you know, accept money and then take out money and you know, provide it to these organized criminal groups. Sometimes they are willing participants that they know what they're doing, and others are unwilling participants who are involved because they were duped into believing either you know, a romance scam or a work-from-home type of scam. So I think right now that the banks are trying to come up with those, if they haven't come up with some of them already, I think that they should really start looking into some of the ideas around faster payments and what specifically it is that bad guys will actually be doing to steal money from those institutions.
0: Yeah, and just looking at, you know, examples from other markets, right, because as you know was mentioned in the introduction, if you look at the United Kingdom, faster payments um, have been in place for a decade and Clearly, the United Kingdom learned a lot of lessons about fraud that we could learn from here. Exactly. Well, John, thank you for your time today. Very informative, and I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Again, we've just heard from John O'Neill, Jr. of Dark Tower. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.